Back on April 1st, 2010, my colleague told me that April was National Poetry Month. Thought he was playing an April Fool's joke on me, so I took a swing at him. <laughs> He's like 93 or something like that. Uh, he blocked the punch. Jabbed me in the throat with a paperclip, whacked me on the head with a stapler, and knocked me out. When I woke up, there was a dead crow stapled to my forehead with some great lesson plans for the raven. Hey, this is Trent Lorcher, and welcome to the Teaching ELA podcast, where I help ELA teachers thrive in and out of the classroom. In this podcast, I discuss real teaching for real classrooms, whether it's a specific piece of literature, teaching strategy, or life strategy. I talk about things ELA teachers need. I promise that with each podcast episode, you'll have something you can use today. All right, hey, imagine having a dozen or more poetry units with handouts, lesson plans. Well, you don't need to imagine. Some say the uh, narrator in the ra- Raven was imagining things, but I'm not, and you're not imagining this. You can actually have complete poetry units, teacher ready, student ready, print, make copies. Uh, get a raise from the superintendent who happened to show up on the day you're teaching some of these awesome lessons. And that's, you know, you can uh, click down in the show notes or you can just go to ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, the greatest lesson plans website in the multiverse, not just the universe, not just the world, not just North America, not just the Western Hemisphere, the multiverse. So on like Earth Planet 26, I, I've talked to the Flash, he was in multiverse planet Earth number uh, 237, he was checking out lesson plans. And he said there's nothing there that even compares to ELA Common Core Lesson Plans.com. He did say there's a good uh, math and science. But... In honor of National Poetry Month, we've got a great symbolism lesson plan for the Raven two minute lesson plan. Class is about to start and you need something right now. So here's the one thing you can put on the board right now. So when the students come in, you'll be ready to roll. We're going to start with those pesky objectives that your administrator thinks are so precious. Here it is. I can cite textual evidence to support analysis. That's what your students should read. Or you could put, find specific examples of symbolism in the raven. Explain the symbol and analyze its effect on the overall theme or meaning of the story. You probably want to put that up there too, actually. I'm making fun of it, but but I wrote that. (laughs) Here are the procedures. Hey, quick symbolism discussion. Uh, Of course, before the students come in, We're talking charts. You know I like charts. They're easy to draw. They're easy to do. It's easy to promote critical thinking with a chart. Uh, I put a put a uh, in the show notes Raven symbolism chart. If you look at it before you hand it out, you'll know exactly what to do. It's self-explanatory. But if you don't have time to uh, look at it or make copies, just put a put a line on the board. Write some symbols in the left column. uh, Write a actually you could just make a two column as you come across a possible symbol. Write it down. And then in the right column, have students analyze the symbol. And then sit back and just watch students learn. <laughs> okay, you might have to be a little more active than sitting back. If your class is coming in, just get to work. But if you want to stick, if you have a few more minutes, we're going to talk about some of the symbols in the Raven so you'll be a little more prepared. Lenore. Now, the narrator gives no description of Lenore. We do not know what she looks like or what exactly the relationship between Lenore and the narrator is. All we know is that the narrator really misses her. The lack of details regarding Lenore makes her a likely symbol. She may represent idealized love, beauty, truth, or hope in a better world. She is rare and radiant, we are told several times, an angelic description, perhaps symbolic of heaven. Lenore may symbolize truth. The narrator cannot help but think of her, and her ubiquitous yet elusive nature haunts the narrative. I think it's Lenore's lost love. I'm taking that literal. But you can take it symbolically as well. The most obvious symbol is the raven. The raven enters the room imperiously and holds dominion over the narrator. The bird's darkness symbolizes death, hence death becomes a constant reminder. An imperious intruder. 
If taken in a broader context, the poem may be about the inability of man to escape his ultimate fate, a recurring theme in Poe's short works. We have Knight's Plutonian Shore. The phrase Knight's Plutonian Shore incorporates all the negative aspects associated with death. Pluto is the Roman god of the underworld, hence his shore would be the underworld. Combined with night, a common symbol for death and nothingness, and shore, representative of the vast ocean and all its mysterious inhabitants. Plutonian takes on an enhanced meaning. We have Nepenthe, the narrator desperately searches for something that will remove his pain and suffering. This is symbolized by Nepenthe, an ancient drug used to help one relieve sorrows. The bust of Pallas. Pallas Athena, as you probably know, is the Greek goddess of wisdom, and more. It is upon this wisdom that the raven settles, adding credence at least according to the narrator to its utterances. The bust of Pallas and the raven's subsequent perch on it may be ironic, for it is the narrator that gives the bird such wisdom. A casual observer would assume the bird sits there because it seems like a logical resting place. If you're ever in Europe, note how the pigeons perch themselves on statues in the center of town, for example. Oh, I, I don't think the pigeon knows that it's uh, Giovanni Garibaldi or, or Giuseppe Verdi. That's Giuseppe Verdi, not Verde, that they're uh, sitting on. Only a moron would assume a bird takes on the character of a statue on which he perches. Perches. I don't think, for example, that a bird resting on Napoleon's shoulder suddenly becomes a ruthless general. I don't know. Are there other statues of Napoleon? I've been I've been to France, but I don't I don't know if there. I'm sure there's got to be one statue of Napoleon somewhere in France, right? Harkening to the glory days of the French military. I don't know. There are plenty of statues of horses. I do remember that. A lot of horses, a lot of horse statues. Maybe Napoleon was on one of these statues. Anyhow, we're getting off track. Midnight, traditionally referred to as the witching hour and the darkest part of night. Midnight is more than a number on the clock. It is no accident that Poe chooses this as the time for the bird's arrival. And the last symbol I'm going to discuss, I'm, there's tons more. I'm sure you could find them. December, nothing lives in the winter. December's in the winter. December symbolizes death. December 21st, of course, is the winter solstice, darkest night of the year. If uh, that brings back memories from stopping by woods on a snowy evening and you feel like listening to that podcast, I did it like a few days ago, a couple of weeks ago. These are all running together. I love National Poetry Month. Speaking of loving National Poetry Month, check us out daily, daily poems. Tomorrow we're, we're, we got a little Emily Dickinson. Love poem. Love. So exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you. With love poems, Emily Dickinson's love poems. Thanks for listening to the Teaching ELA podcast. For more teacher-ready, student-ready lesson plans, head on over to ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. That's ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, where we have hundreds of lesson plans and handouts that are ready to use right now. And as always, if this podcast has helped you thrive in the classroom, we'd appreciate a like and a review. 